How you doing, everybody? It's Michael Jenkins here with another episode of By the Book, a sports betting podcast. We're once again bringing you some of our favorite segments from the last few shows. First up, Monica McNutt and I talked a little NFL, specifically focusing on the win totals that were recently posted by William Hill and whether we take the over or under on some of the teams who make big moves in the NFL draft. We have Patrick Emerson on this show from Covers.com, one of our favorite people. He always says he makes a, a very good point, which is, you know, betting is about football. You know, it's NFL, 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 which is why we see already offensive rookie of the year odds, defensive rookie of the year odds, win totals, NFL futures, championship odds. I mean, it's just all over the place because people love betting on football. So to that end, there are already win totals out in Vegas right now at William Hill. So we're looking at total wins for next season. Choose the over or under for okay. a few teams that Sarah Krieger, our producer, has picked out for us. I don't like to do the heavy lifting. I like to roll in here. <laughs> I like to say, Sarah, just, you know, tell me what to say. Give me some teams. Okay. And do it. All right. So here we go. We're going to start with the Jacksonville Jaguars. The total set at six over the slide favorite minus 120. Under is even money. They went one in 15 last year. What do you think, Monica? Six from one in 15? That's a giant it sure leap. Is. Uh, okay. I'm going to take the under um i think we'll take the under here that's a lot there's 17 games this oh, season oh that's right i keep forgetting that nonsense i'm still taking the under i'm taking the under too <laughs> it doesn't matter they went 1 of 15 yeah that's a good point i forget there's 17 games i've got to get that through my head because it's always been 16 game season 16 game season look they had a very good draft and i love that they got travis Etienne out of Clemson. Even though, you know, he took a lot of hits and played four years with the Tigers, he obviously knows Trevor Lawrence and he's an explosive running back. So I think this is a very good draft for the Jaguars. However, I like Walker a little too. He's a Texas guy, big guy out of Stanford, plays offensive tackle. That said, these guys are still rookies. 100%. These guys are still rookies. And I think, you know, this is an inflated total because we assume Trevor Lawrence is going to come in and wreck shop, and he might. However, this defense, and they did sign a couple players in the offseason, this defense last year, this Jags defense, gave up more points ever than they have in franchise stink. history. They stink. And so they got to hit seven. So for me, it's worst-case scenario, okay, fine. They get six wins. Maybe it's a push. But they got to get seven wins, an improvement from one. And by the way, we're giving Trevor Lawrence a lot of credit. We're giving Urban Meyer a lot of credit. He may be exceptional, but we have no idea. As I've said before, Nick Saban coached at the pro level. He was okay, but he was more suited for the college game. It's a roll of the dice. I would take the even money and go the under. The only comp to this is Joe Burrow last year to the Bengals, right? And yeah. he got four games before he got hurt. Now, that's true. If he had stayed healthy, do I see them over six and a half? No. Right. I think there would have been some really competitive games, and we would have been even more in that Joe Burrow is the future for the Bengals. Yes. Um, but in this other note, we are waiting for the official schedules to come out. Uh, they're supposed to be released spring of 2021. But just going down the breakdown of the Jags' opponents, six games against the other three AFC South teams. Okay, duh. They've got four games against the NFC West. They're going to see the whole division. Under. Under. Big time. And you can get even money. I love the under here. Uh, and they, they're jumping into the AFC. They got four games against the AFC East teams. Let's move on to the Jets. <laughs> Total so also tricky. set at six. So the oh, – dude, I, this is blowing my mind. What – what? someone tell me what I'm missing here because the over is minus 130. The under is even money. Again, I understand 
that there's an extra game to be played this season. It's a 17-game season now. I don't get it. I These cats <laughs> won two games last year. Zach Wilson, a lot of people believe that he was drafted way too high. The Jets had a really good draft. I love that they got Elijah Vera Tucker to protect their quarterback also in the first round. But these dudes are rookies. You think Zach Wilson is going to go in to the Jets, one of the worst organizations in the National Football League, even with a rookie offensive guard helping him out, and they're suddenly going to win seven games? The Jets? They took five DBs. Three safeties and two quarterbacks. Oh, wow. Um, I, oh, wow. Um, I mean, the Jets? <laughs> Let me tell you something. If you bet the over here, if you lay minus money to say, I think the Jets are going to win seven games, that's your own fault. You're going to have to look yourself in the mirror and say, it's time to call a therapist and reevaluate. <laughs> so don't do that. Don't bet on the – pass at here's, best. Here's what I will say. I do want us to separate – I guess you really can't. It's, not, it's very difficult to separate a team's history from – what they may be on the brink of doing. That's fair. That's okay. a fair point. That is a loaded draft roster. We just took a look at uh, their draft selections this year. Okay, let me yep. let me work through some more words on okay. logic on how we get to seven. Some more words. Um, let me think about some words. I'm for just a I'm just trying to get to logic to take this to take this. Um, listen, obviously Jets fans would be thrilled if they hit the over, right? I think that it'll be the under. I got the number in my mind about five. Okay. Uh, Zach Wilson is tremendous. The entire new regime up there in New York, right? There is the potential for sure. Yeah, yeah. Robert Sala, the whole gang. I like um, Sala quite a bit. Uh, Sala likes his defense. You saw all those DBs they took. Um, yeah, I, I can't get a, get to the over. Sorry, I was trying. I really was. You are. They would have to more than triple their win total from last season. It's listen. And, and the Jets might be on the right track, but we're. But give me a two or three year window. Right, and that's what I said. If you get to, if you get me to five this season. I would right. be impressed. Yes. You'd more, you'd more than double your wins the, from last the, And I think the, the other part is, is you're having these conversations. The teams that you're trying to get wins over improved, right? Like, mm-mm. No. And that division is tough. Woo, talk about it. Yeah. Mm-mm. How about the San Francisco 49ers with a total set at 10? I, I'm going to go under. I keep going under here. I'm going to pick some overs, but... I'm not a believer in Jimmy G. That's the reason why they drafted Justin Fields. That that division is going to be very tough, I believe. The Seahawks will be good because Russ can do anything. The Cardinals are getting better. The Rams now have Matt Stafford. This is essentially the same Niners team that won six games a year ago. I just don't see them eclipsing 10. What's the What was the value here to take the over? Because I'm actually intrigued by this one. I think we forget that they were ravaged by injury last year. What's that? They were they were ravaged a little bit by injuries last year, particularly yep. on the defensive side of the ball, which they uh, Bosa, right? Yep. Like they, you know, they're. A That's beast. a good point. That's a very good point. That I'm I didn't actually take into curious on this one. All I mean, right. that divi- that division's super tough. I forgot tough. about Bosa. They were re- they were very banged yeah, up. Yeah, and then year. Kittle was all jacked up. Obviously, Garoppolo. Uh, like now, you're changing my mind. That's, right? I, d- I had forgotten about the injuries last year. I this one's intriguing. Kittle was out. You're right. At For minus one forty. I don't know, Jakes. I might take this one. All right. Let me get. Let me. I'm gonna put an asterisk by this one. All right. Let me. You know, I'll just. Uh, I can't. I don't have a journal. I'll just mark my. I'll just. You put, know, my, I'll put you a. Know, you know, I'll put a fingerprint right here. 
Right here. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take an action for this one. Minus one forty. Okay, to go over ten. Okay, let's okay. see. Well, let me, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna come back to that. How about the Cincinnati Bengals with the total set at six and a hook? The over minus one hundred five. The under minus one fifteen. So a little minus money on both. Who do you like here, or what do you like? What's the? How do we keep getting to six? Like, what? Who's deciding that six is the number? Why can't we have like five? <laughs> like, what? Nobody's talking about four. Like, can we get reasonable? Can we get four. Yeah, yeah, three. That's what I'd put the Jets. We need some reasonable numbers. Uh, okay. If the total yeah. for the Jets was three, I'd be like under. All right. So hold on. No, let's let's talk this one though through okay. seriously. Both right. are both are at minus money. I love the Jamar Chase deal. Uh, I don't know much about Tyler Shelvin, respectable program in LSU. Dante Smith out of East Carolina. Okay, okay. Um, Did they address their line? I, a little bit. Not. Kinda. Carmen and. Dante Smith? They got one. Okay, they got Jackson Clarman. They get Dante Smith at East. Like that, the I line guess. was a huge thing for them, right? And I, obviously, Joe Burrow is not that handful of quarterbacks yet where guys will say, yeah, we'll go play with him. Right. Uh, I really like Jamar Chase. I'm really excited to see a healthy Burrow. Um, uh, over six and a half, both are at minus money. Okay. No, I, I can't do I'm it. I'm going over. I'm chicken. You are? I'm going over. I feel like Joe Burrow is going to flourish in his second year. I believe in him. This is hugely dependent on the offensive line keeping him upright. I'm nervous because a couple of rookies probably aren't going to get that done. But he has some weapons. I mean, they got T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd out there, so he does have some offensive help. And they got those new unis, which are sharper. Sharper enough to get you over six and a half wins? I'm going over six and a half. I, I feel like they find a way. Okay. I think Joe Burrow is going to take okay. a step up, and they're going to find a way. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm going to go with you. Okay. Okay. Dolphins. I know. Mm. Thank Close you for that vote of confidence. This one I'm taking. Let's go. All right. Here we go. The over. I'm taking it. I am too. Talk to me. The chalk, 140. Minus 140. The under is the dog at plus 120. I'm with you. They won 10 games last year. Now they play 17-game season. I love their draft. I think they did a great job of addressing their needs, which, again, will not necessarily help them immediately. Jalen Waddle will help immediately. And Jalen Phillips could, too, And which is so cool that the Miami kid gets to stay Definitely. In, in Miami. That's yep. a great story there that we haven't really talked about a lot. Total set it. I'm hitting the over. I'm here. taking the over for sure. I, I think Tua takes the next step as he well. Gets the I like whole Brian season. Forrest. Yeah. And Love they signed Malcolm Brown from the Rams. He used to play Texas, so I followed his career. Now he's not the answer, but he's good enough in spots to give them a little burst. And you put that with with Tua and Will Excuse Fuller. Right. Bless you. <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> Allergies, so y'all can relate. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and Jalen Wally. And that defense. I really like the Dolphins. I'm like taking the over, the over quite here. a bit. I really. I do. mean, think at one point last year, the the Dolphins were we were having that conversation about if they could get out of the, yeah. their division and make the playoffs. Uh, I'm taking the over. Let's go. All right, let's go. Cowboys. Oh, Jerry. The over. No. Under set at nine and a half. Over the small dog at plus one ten. The under the favorite minus one thirty. I know where I'm going here. What are you thinking? I do believe that Dak makes them way better. He does. Uh, I think that this division, uh, hmm. I think that Washington's good in this division, and I think that Dallas will be better in this division. I don't know what to think about Philly. Um, and I think the Giants have actually improved, actually. Uh, I don't know. I don't think I can go over, though. I think I got them right. What was it? Um, wow, they got, wow, they got lots of 11 draft picks right. for the Cowboys. Yeah. They're going to be able to sort through a whole bunch of guys, but I'm going under. I got to go under, too. 
Um, I don't buy. I don't buy the Cowboys because their defense was so putrid last season. And here's the thing. I think we've forgotten that when it comes to Dak, that even when he was in the lineup last year, the Cowboys struggled. Now, Micah Parsons is going to be a great linebacker, I think, for the Cowboys, and the Cowboys are going to get better, and I, I, I really like their draft again. That said, the Cowboys were struggling with Dak, and what happened is Dak gets injured. He's done for the season. We think, oh, once Dak gets back, this team is going to roll. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily believe that. They're going to be good, but yeah. this is a division. The NFC East isn't great, but it's competitive enough, and mm-hmm. the Cowboys still have a lot of holes on defense. Who did we say they needed desperately? They need a cornerback. Mm-hmm. They need a cornerback. They didn't get a corner in the first round. They got the best player available, Micah Parsons, which is a great pick, but they still have holes in that defense, and I believe that we're giving Dak a little too much. It takes more than just a great quarterback to win football games, and right. so for the Cowboys in that division, I feel like – the over is just too many games for them, so I'm going to hit the under. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I mean, this is a unit I could easily see going 500 next year. And that's not a terrible season right. either, to be quite honest. Like, winning 10 games, even if even with the 17th game, winning 10 games right. is challenging. Absolutely. In, in any year. In mm-hmm. any year. Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. Bears, 7.5 is the total. Over is plus money, plus 135 the under. 7.5 is the heavy favorite, minus 155. Wow. I didn't realize they were 500 last year. Here's, here's what I think is going to happen. I'm going to go under here, and I see why it's the favorite, because they want Justin Fields to be the guy. And they don't have a lot of talent around him. They need help on the offensive line, so Justin Fields is going to get a rude awakening. He's a great talent. I love the fact that they traded up to get him. But the Bears overall, as a team, aren't a great football team. And they want Justin Fields in there as soon as possible. And don't fall into the trap of thinking that, you know, rookie quarterbacks always thrive. A lot of times they do, but there is still a learning curve involved. Justin Fields may come out and look like gangbusters one week, but there are going to be weeks where he looks like a rookie quarterback. Mm -hmm. It happens to Mm -hmm. the best of them. So the fact that they don't have quite the weapons around them, that that offensive line is weak, and that they're going to push him into the – they do not want Andy Dalton to be the guy. (laughs) All right. Nobody wants Andy Dalton to be that guy. Red Rocket. The old Red Rocket. Sounds like a derby horse name. Um, here's what I will say about the Bears. I didn't realize they were eight and eight last year, but I now it's now coming back to me, and I'm getting really excited for football season. Remember they got off to that hot, hottish streak? Yeah, and it, and it was like rattled off like four in a row or yeah, something. Yeah, it was like Mitch Trubisky has yeah, yeah, yeah. four touchdowns and only three games. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so, so now ridiculous. it's coming back to me in terms of the story. This, the Bears wildly benefited from their schedule early in the season last yep. year. Um, I, I don't know if I, now that I'm thinking this through, I would like to see schedules before I made my official picks here, but I'm, I'm going to go the under just okay. because it's a whole new captain of the ship in fields. I and got their you. defense is not. Gonna, All right. Well, their defense is actually good. I, I lied. Their defense actually is good. I forgot that. Their defense is good. Okay. I like you were just, I was like, she's sort of trailing off yeah, and talking to herself. Oh, I'm wait. like, I need to keep listening. I need well, to keep Matt, listening. No, yeah, their defense is kind of no, good, no, actually. Their defense is pretty good. Anyway, okay. I was just right. talking about the defense. The defense is, <laughs> defense is good. All right. I was a hard time. Patriots, total set at nine. The over, the favorite, minus 145. Under plus money, plus 125. Last year, they went seven and nine. I like I'm the, over. I'm going over, Let's too. Go. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get it. I think last year, you know, was not a great year for Cam. He was banged up. He's he's healthier now. Hopefully he stays healthy. I think he'll do better now that he has another year in the system. Yes, he will. Don't hold. I'm telling you. Trust and me. we forget that the Patriots had a lot of COVID issues last year. They were yes. never really at full strength. 
I think Belichick rides the ship. And remember, they've done a great job in free agency. They got Talk Hunter Henry. They Talk got Trent him. Brown. So I think Belichick, I, I was just blown away by the Patriots fans who were hating on him last year. I'm like, you are so ungrateful mm-hmm. for what this man has brought you. I think he rides the ships, and I think they go over nine as well. Over nine. Let's go. Let's go. League high opt-outs for COVID. Beast moves in free agency. Bill Belichick, Cam Newton coming back to strength. Let's get it. All right, let's go. We'll see if we were correct in about seven months. Up next, Andrew Cayley from Covers.com joins us to share his thoughts about the NFL draft. Let's head to Andrew Cayley, senior <laughs> editor for Covers.com. Find him on Twitter, Covers underscore Cayley. Andrew, good to see you as always. So I will ask you one final time, and then I swear to the Lord above, I will never ask you this question again. <laughs> Niners getting Trey Lance instead of Mac Jones. And to Andrew's credit, a couple weeks ago, he was like, Mac Jones... I'm paraphrasing. He did not say this. Gross. I don't want the Niners to do it. So this is not his exact words. But the feeling was this is not the right pick. So are you happy that the Niners went with Trey Lance instead? I, I did well with that with that Trey Lance of the number three pick. So I'm definitely happy with that. And there, Mac Jones, gross. Now you can quote it. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I think it was the right move considering what they did and the way they played it. I personally still would have taken Justin Fields at that spot, but um, it's he's gonna, Trey Lance will be a project there, but I, I still have a feeling that he's going to be the number one, the day one starter there. I don't think we're going to see Jimmy G really? there much longer. Oh yeah, they the, wow. everything they've just been so weird about this whole process. Uh, I I don't think they sit him for a year. You, they gave up way too many assets for him to just sit even for a few games. It, it, it's not um, usual in that sense. So I think he's going to be the guy. I think they're going to try to trade Jimmy G here shortly. Oh, wow. And uh, wow. yeah, I would I wouldn't be surprised if if that happens the next few weeks here. Andrew, you are all in. I am wow. So Garoppolo Garoppolo. Shanahan is completely bluffing by saying that it's going to be difficult to beat out Garoppolo in your mind. Oh, yeah. Everything he said to this point is a lie. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know how you can believe anything he said from the, the second they, they made that trade to right now. So if he says it's a competition, it's probably not. That's what I'm going with right now. Most of these guys are are um, are not telling the truth and they're trying to set smoke, smoke screens. And, it's, it, it, and to be honest, it's in their benefit to not tell the truth this time of year. So I, I expect that this will be a Trey Lance job from day one. I, I just don't see it, but we will see. Obviously, I'm not calling the shots, but you mentioned our boy, you and I are on the same page that Justin Fields probably would have been the pick there if we were calling the shots. The Bears move up and snatch him at 11. What do you think? And while odds makers liked it a bit too, they've moved up from about 60 to 1 to 50 to 1. Um, I think this is obviously Ryan Pace's and uh, Matt Nagy's last dance if they don't hit on this one because they've done this once before already, giving up a lot of assets for a quarterback. But they did it for the right one this time, I think. He is a, a fantastic uh, player with a great release, and he's tough, and he, he loves winning. I think he, he'll be able to handle the cold there in Chicago. It was a great pick. I'm shocked to say that the Bears did a great job on the first, with their first two picks. They moved up again, got a uh, Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State to, to slide in and protect fields, so I like that a lot as well. Uh, really impressive stuff from the Bears, which is very um, shocking, <laughs> shocking to say. Andrew, how shocked were you that Justin Fields fell to 11? I, I would have absolutely taken the under, which was set at 7.5, and I would have laid the minus 140. I would have never imagined that he would have fallen to 11. Were you surprised? 
I was a little surprised yeah. uh, to be sure. I thought uh, I thought he'd go higher. I thought there'd be teams um, that were more willing to trade up to like that Detroit spot or maybe even Miami. Miami had shown that they had wanted to to move many times before the draft. So there there were spots for teams to trade up there. Obviously, no one met to the needs of the teams that were in those spots, and there was good enough players available that they were happy to take their guys. Kyle Pitts, for example, Atlanta was another spot team that could have traded out, but uh, they said the the offers weren't good enough there. Um, so once it got past, and then it got past Carolina, and Carolina was the other landing spot I thought he might go. Um, but once it got there, it, it became kind of a free-for-all, and the Bears made the, the right move to go get him, I think. It's, it's a steal. I think that's a steal at that position. All right, so then you don't feel like the Patriots caught the steal four, what, four picks later when Mac Jones they, to them? They addressed a, need, a glaring need in their roster. Just because he, some people had him ranked higher, some people had him ranked higher than others, um, I, I didn't. Uh, I think this was a reach as well. Ooh, um, right. They... Uh, they went out and they made a pick of they could have gotten Kyle Trask in, in the second round and addressed more glaring needs in the first round here. Um, I don't think there's a big difference between Mac Jones and a Kyle Trask. And yeah, so I think that's a reach. Uh, I think that's a team making a pick that needed to fill a quarterback position. I was uh, everyone was like, oh, this is where he wanted to go. And they made a great pick here. I'm, I'm not so sure. We'll have to wait and see. And I don't think he plays this year. That's the other thing. The, the, the Patriots are starting to get some steam in the in the Super Bowl odds market. I think they're 30 to 1 right now. Um, but I don't – if if they're doing well, I don't think Mac Jones is seeing the field. So yeah, yeah, I think agreed. that's because Cam Newton played well. So I'm, I'm not sure why they're uh, uh, why they're getting some more love after the draft here. Agreed. I, I agree with you there for sure, Andrew. Um, okay, but do you think the Mac Jones comparison is going to be more long-term Tom Brady-ish or long-term more Jimmy Garoppolo-ish? They, uh, they're certainly making those Tom Brady comparisons with those, uh, right. those shirtless yeah. photos yes. there. <laughs> uh, but uh, I don't know. I think it, he is... The problem with Mac Jones for me is that his arm just isn't... He doesn't have an NFL arm. He's very accurate and... Uh, he makes good decisions. He's very smart. He does a lot of things that uh, Josh McDaniels will like. Um, he will he will he will know that playbook inside and out. I'm sure. But the rest of that roster, um, Belichick hasn't done a good job of drafting the past handful of years, and the rest of that roster just isn't very good right now. So if he's getting hit in the backfield next year, just like Cam Newton has been um, this last season, it's going to be a tough time for him. So it'll be interesting to see how the Patriots do and how Mac Jones does. Um, like I said, my biggest concern is him making the big NFL throws, the deep outs, um, and stuff like that. So uh, we'll have to wait and see with him for me. We're talking with Andrew Cayley, the senior editor for Covers.com. Andrew, so when you look at this first round, what team ended up getting an athlete at great value because someone maybe fell further than we, we thought they would? Um, I really liked what the Ravens did getting Rashad Bateman mm -hmm. at uh, 27, I believe it was. Uh, he's uh, He was one of my top rated receivers on the board. I think he's much closer to those top three guys than, uh, than people uh, realize. <clears throat> he's a very uh, long athlete. He's faster. He ran a 4.39 at his pro day. Uh, he's got great hands. He, he doesn't body catch. Uh, he's, uh, he's a really wonderful receiver. And he's that guy. He's going to be that guy. He's going to be like that Travis Kelsey for Patrick Mahomes. He creates space off the line and 
And I think Lamar Jackson is going to be shocked about how open he is all the time. He's like, oh, oh, damn, <laughs> Bateman's open again. Look at the ball. <laughs> and uh, and that and it's going to that'll then open things up on the other side for Hollywood Brown, who can then hopefully stretch the field. And uh, the thing about Lamar Jackson, I heard you guys talking about him earlier. He had a bit of a step back this year, but they need to start letting him throw the football. He is not one of these like he's a great athlete and everybody talks about his athleticism. When he was in college, he has a great arm. He has a cannon. This kid can throw the football still. And I say kid because I think he's younger than Mac Jones and Kyle Trask and all these guys still, which mm. is incredible. Um, <laughs> seeing as he's a year removed from an NFL MVP. But uh, you give him a weapon and uh, like uh, Rashad Bateman, I really like what the Ravens can do. All right, so you like that as a pick. What team are you giving the best grade in terms of what they were able to do over the course of the draft? Uh, my favorite one, and I think they're showing a lot of value at 35 to one to win the Super Bowl, is the is the Los Angeles Chargers. I love what they did. Rashawn Slater fell into their laps at 13. They they got exactly what they needed, protecting Justin Herbert, and then they went out with the next pick and stole Asante Samuel Jr. off the board, uh, addressing their those were their two biggest needs going into the draft, and they addressed them with two great picks, two great values at those positions. I don't think I think the Chargers are now clearly the second best team in the AFC West. I think they're a playoff team, and uh, I, I'm, I'm really excited to watch them play some football this year. Andrew, I wanna, I'm, I'm trying to be good. It's a Sunday. You know, it's church day. <laughs> so why did the Raiders choose Alex Leatherwood in the first round? <laughs> Here we go. I mean, what am I? I'm willing to. I, like, you're I'm more than willing to be wrong here. Like this is this is this is live TV, right? Like Mike Mayock thinks he's the smartest guy in the room, and he's just not. He's just not the smartest guy in the room. Right. He he thinks he, he is. He's made a history of making these picks where, like, I just there was other tackles on the board. Like Tevin uh, Tevin Jenkins is a much better prospect at tackle yes. than, than Leatherwood. Yes, I know they needed interior linemen, but like, always work on the outside going in with your linemen. And I don't know. I was. I'm not shocked at this point when it comes to the Raiders and their draft picks. So yeah, they, they did what they did, <laughs> but uh, that's just Raiders football at this point. <laughs> okay. So no, I'm, no, I'm with you. I mean, even Christian Darasaw was on the board. That was another guy they could have taken. Just, yep. Another good, that would have been another good pick. Oh. Leatherwood may surprise all of you. Oh, he's, he's a good tackle. He's a good tackle. He's, he's good. just, or uh, he's got a great a good personality. Center, or, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I understand our issue with the Ravens and their process, but I hate that this kid is just fulfilling a dream and he's kind of the butt of this joke. It's not, it's not his fault. No, it's not his fault. And listen, it's not, no, not at all. It's not a personal shot right. against I, Alex. I, I get it. This is really just about look, the Raiders. All, the Raiders and doing something that the Raiders do, which is they tend to reach. You know, and that's yeah. just look. If Alex Leatherwood has an All-Pro career, good on him, awesome. But when you look I hope back. He does. Yeah, I hope he does. But you know, there there were just by all almost all measurements and all aspects much better players on the board. So it just makes you question what they're seeing that no one else sees. I guess that's the bigger point that I'm trying that's, to make. That's and and there's just a track record of them being wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Flat out wrong. What did you think? And I've I've said this a couple times, but I want to get your thoughts. You know, we keep focusing on. Uh, the Bears and trading up to get Justin Fields, and he sort of fell into their laps, but I thought it was a shrewd move I didn't think they could make. Do you like what the Giants did in that they addressed a need in Kadarius Toney, even though maybe not a top-tier receiver, but a very good receiver, and then they got draft picks in return, or am I giving the G-men too much credit? 
They made they made some good moves. I, I liked the move back, but then I didn't love the Tony pick a okay. whole lot. I, I would have there was another team that could have used some offensive line help. Uh, and I'm still uh, this was the theme of this year's draft that maybe I'm just too old school. I <laughs> I didn't like what the Bengals did taking Jamar Chase. I don't like mm-hmm. what the Giants did taking Kadarius Tony. Like I I saw this great graphic out there. It was like it doesn't matter who these guys are out there. If you just have anybody on that line and those quarterbacks are getting hit, I know it's, it's not just one guy you need. You need a, a complete unit of guys, but it's, it's much easier to throw to an anybody out there. If you have good guys on that offensive line, protecting those quarterbacks back there, I'm not, I'm not hundred percent sold on that, on that value for Tony. Like, I guess it's, it's, it's a passing grade because yeah. they got those extra picks, um, but they kind of negated it a bit with the Tony pick. I would have preferred to see them go offensive line. Then Matt Moore from the Action Network joined Megan McPeak and me to discuss everything going on with the NBA playoff picture, which is a lot. NBA playoffs almost here, so we bring in Matt Moore, senior NBA writer for the Action Network. He's done a great job for them for a long time. Also a great follow on Twitter at Matt Moore, T-A-N. Of course, that stands for the Action Network. So, Matt, here we are. Thanks for being with us. Lakers have dropped their last three, and now they're sort of falling into that sixth spot, which is not a big deal when you think about them being healthy long term. But are you worried at all that they've sort of had problems getting everyone on the right page right now? Yeah, I mean, look, you're trying in a very difficult season already to work in new players like Andre Drummond. Those lineups have been a little bit shaky. Um, LeBron, just the way that you play with LeBron is different than you're going to play with any other player on the planet. And so you need more of those reps. The fact that LeBron's also said things like, I don't know if I'll ever be 100% again. Those are concerning. You've got Anthony Davis that who always kind of has injury issues, and this Achilles problem does tend to cause flare-ups from time to time. You have to have at least a little bit of concern. I think ultimately they'll be in a position to make another run and defend their title uh, with a deep run, but I do think that they're in some danger right now, especially because of where the tiebreakers are. I think there's a real risk of them falling to the seventh seed and having to get out of the play-in. Yeah, they're sitting kind of in a position where they can be tied with the Mavs, the Blazers, when you look at it. Are you also, or at all, if you will, surprised that they're still currently a title favorite when you look at the futures for the NBA title? Yeah, I mean, it's them and the Nets. I think the biggest thing you have to consider is the books aren't going to be able to take to drop them any, right? Like, if you, they've seen some drop over the last, like, 24 hours. I did talk to uh, some books, and they talked about the fact that if they fall into the play-in, those futures will probably drop further, uh, that they're just because of the inherent risk of you lose two games and you're out. But I think if you drop it any further than where we're seeing it now, you're really going to be in danger of, of taking too much action on the other side. So I think you see those William Hill odds right there. You Because the Lakers are such a public team and everyone's and LeBron's such a public player and they are the defending champs, you can't really move them, I think, any further without uh, messing up where the liability is going to be. So they've got the Nuggets tonight, second night of a back-to-back for them. Obviously, they dropped the game last night against the Raptors, and LeBron won't be playing as of right now. That's what it's been reported because of some soreness with that high ankle sprain and the recovery, which is not at all surprising. They're also without Dennis Schroeder because of the health and safety protocols. Sham Sharnia uh, reporting that he could be missing anywhere from 10 to 14 days uh, right now is what we're looking at. They've got the Nuggets. Nuggets are trying to clinch a playoff spot, which they can with a win or a Blazers loss. How are you sitting? How are you looking at this game tonight, knowing the factors playing around with this game? Also, Denver has been really, really successful since the injury to Jamal Murray. Yeah, so I think it's interesting to look at this because um, so in the Action Network app, which you can download right now, we are able to track 
you know where the money is coming in and where the bets are coming in at various uh, options. 66% of the bets are on Denver and only 62% of the money. So we're seeing a little bit of movement back towards the Lakers for whatever reason. The fact that this line hasn't moved more makes me a little bit nervous. Now I am on Denver first half tonight. I, I like the Denver Nuggets in the first half. They've been great in the first quarter and second quarters in particular, their defense has been phenomenal. Paul Millsap has been terrific. Austin Rivers coming in on a 10 day and then getting a resign. He's been awesome. Shaq Harrison, they're playing great in these first halves. The Lakers without LeBron have been really rough in these first halves. And then when they have one, they've done better in the second half. So I'm saying staying away from the side in the total, but I am playing the Nuggets in the first half tonight. We're talking to Matt Moore from the Action Network. Again, follow him on Twitter at MattMoreTAN. So the Heat won last night. Celtics lost. They flipped places in the East. And, you know, I'm curious your thoughts on the Heat. We've had some people on the show who believe they're sort of a sneaky team that could actually do some damage in the playoffs and, and, and go a long way. Do you agree or disagree with that? I think it's an interesting question, mostly because it's whether or not you just trust all these factors that they haven't shown us. Like they've told us for months, we're a bad offensive team. Defense has been great, but they've really struggled to score. Duncan Robinson's taken a step back. Goran Dragic isn't lighting it up like he was in the bubble. Losing Jay Crowder, I think was a bigger deal for them than most people realized. He was a really big part of that run last year, started for them and hit a lot of threes in their playoff run. So that I think is the argument. On the other side, look, I've got an article coming out about teams that are well positioned for playoff runs. A lot of it's defensive versatility. Can you change up your defensive coverage and pick and roll? Can you play zone? Can you provide different lineups and matchups? Can you go small ball? Can you play bigger? The Heat are really well positioned in those areas. So look, I think depending on the draw, I like them, but if they wind up in a three, six versus one of the top three teams in the East, I do think they're going home as much as Milwaukee probably looks at Miami in that six spot and goes, Oh no. I, I do think that the heat just simply don't have the kind of firepower that they did in the bubble last year. I think that if the heat can get into the four five, that changes the equation a little bit. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm definitely gonna be playing them. I think game by game and not series by series though. All right, Matt, we've got the Hawks and we've got the Blazers. This one should be a very fun game. If you're a hoops fan, where are you sitting with this one? Looking at the Hawks with Trey Young, obviously the Trailblazers with Dame time. What are you expecting from this one tonight other than exciting? Yeah, it should be a really great matchup. The Blazers have been absolutely on fire since kind of hitting a low point in their season. These last three games, they've just been dominant. Um, they've been, been playing out of their minds. Just absolutely incredible. One big change. So they've been a great first quarter team all season, but second quarter has been where they've really struggled. They've had di different lineups that have just given up the most points allowed for 100 possessions in those quarters. They've kind of changed that. Their bench unit's playing a lot better. Terry Stotts has shifted some of the rotations a little bit to get some of the issues in terms of combinations off the floor. And so that's why I'm on Blazers first half tonight. I like playing the half mark because of how good the Blazers tend to start in these games. I think this is anybody's game in the second half. I think either team is going to have a great chance at this. You've got, you know, Trey Young and Capella versus Damon Nurkic. You've got CJ McCollum. You've got Daniel Gallinari. A lot of firepower on both sides, but these are actually surprisingly pretty good defensive teams over their last couple of games. The Blazers, obviously, less so for the season, but with Norman Powell, they've been better. So I like the Blazers' first half, but this should be a really close game. I'll be looking to bet it live, depending on where it goes. I think another one that could be close is the Pacers and Wizards. Now, a couple months ago, you probably would have said, oh, what are you talking about? But now these teams are jockeying for one of those playoff spots. I believe Washington is laying four tonight with the total set at now 246. You have a side you're playing here? Obviously, a really important game for both teams, battling for that last 
couple of playoff spots in the play-in. They should both be playing teams. But this is going to determine, will help determine, you know, who gets home court in a potential play-in tournament environment. I like the over here in this game. I think that you've got the Pacers who have a lot of injuries to their front court depth. You've got the Wizards that play one of the fastest paces in the league. So I think there's going to be a lot of points scored in this one. Should be an up-and-down affair. The Pacers are pretty well-disciplined, but the Wizards have been playing absolutely terrific basketball over the last 15 games. Uh, I would lean towards Wizards, but I like the over more than anything. I think we're going to see a lot of points tonight. All right, Matt, we've got an interesting one on the slate tonight, and I say interesting in the sense of there's a second way to watch this game, and that's Warriors and Pelicans with the addition of the Marvel viewing version <laughs> of it and superheroes. But looking at it, you've got Zion, who's been fantastic this season. And then you have Steph Curry, who as of late has been on an absolute tear. We all know him as the baby-faced assassin. Are you looking at this game, another one that might be something you look at betting on half? Or are you going with the entire game on this one? You know, I was leaning towards the Pelicans. I was a little bit surprised that they're favored in this game. That was a, a tiny bit surprising to me. I do think uh, it's interesting that that line got put at two and a half, given that the Pelicans are, you know, three games back in the loss column from Golden State. I think you have to lean towards the over here. I have a slight lean towards the Pelicans, and the reason is the Warriors' defensive system is so is very good, but it's also predicated on Draymond Green. Zion is the only type of player with the kind of physicality to be able to match Draymond and maybe score at the rim and get past the Warriors' defensive kind of structure. So I lean towards the Pelicans. I don't have a play on this one. It should be an absolutely great game. I will, however, take Curry's over on, on points, though, because, well, he's just been lighting it up, and the Pelicans' defense is known to give up a lot of three-pointers. Talking to Matt Moore from the Action Network. We also have the Spurs and Jazz playing, and, and the Spurs are, are trying to hold on to that 10th spot, but this is this is going to be a difficult task because they are on the road in Salt Lake City and they're seven and a half point dogs. Do they cover this number based on sort of the desperation factor, or are they just outclassed here? I think they probably cover. This is a lot of points to lay to a Utah team that's still very shorthanded um, without the, some of their key players. They've really struggled in, in various spots. Now they can get past you know, 500 teams like the Raptors, but even then those numbers were much shorter. The Spurs have obviously struggled since Derek White went down, but I do think that San Antonio is being a little underrated here offensively. They should be able to produce points, especially, you know, given the kind of guard depth that they have and the guards that have played and how they score versus Utah's drop defense, they should do pretty well. The only kind of concern is that uh, Quinn Snyder versus, he used to actually coach the Spurs G League team, and he's done very well versus his old mentor, Greg Popovich, in recent seasons. So I, I definitely think that the, the Jazz will win this game, but seven and a half points is too much to lay. I'll grab the points with the Spurs. All right, Matt, another one we've got on the slate, the Sixers. They're coming off of a really exciting overtime win. Second night of a back-to-back, -back, though. They've got the Bulls, who are about three games back of the Wizards for that play-in spot. Is this a game that you're looking at, maybe putting some money on? How are you looking at this game, especially thinking Sixers, second night of a back-to-back -back in this situation? Yeah, I think you got to stay away just because the Sixers tend to have uh, surprises in the last hour or so before tip in terms of who plays and who doesn't. You never want to be able to – you want to make sure that you get the, the best number possible. If everybody plays, I'm comfortable laying the six here with the Sixers. Um, Chicago has really been outmatched offensively. They still are without Zach Levine. There's just – I to me, I think that they're outclassed in this situation. The number being six, though, makes me a little hesitant. Chicago's been good against the spread this year, but not since the trade for Vucevic, even though I think that trade works out long-term. I have to – I can't back the Bulls here. If it's six when the starting rotations are announced and Embiid plays and 
if the Sixers have Ben Simmons even and without Embiid, I would still be looking to, to play the Sixers here. Final game for you tonight, Matt. The Knicks, the upstart Knicks in Memphis Ooh. taking on the Grizz. How about, I never thought I'd say that. Well, it's been a while since I've said that. The Grizzlies, however, are what, three and a half games back of the Lakers, so they're trying to make a move. They really need this win. Do they get it done at home? This is a crucial game for the Memphis Grizzlies. I, they're trying to uh, to hold off the Golden State Warriors to make sure they don't fall into the 9 and 10 spot. If you hold on to the 8, you only get to win one playoff game versus two if you're in the 9 and 10. So this is a very big game for them. However, uh, the biggest angle, the Knicks are the most profitable team in the first half. I, I've been mentioning first half best. This is another one I've got tonight. I've got Knicks first half on the money line. Uh, I'm surprised that they're dogs. They've been by far the most profitable team in the first half. They're up double digits in terms of units over the course of the season in the first half. They play great because Tom Thibodeau's teams come out prepared. They come out and they play great defense and they tend to surge in these first halves. It should be an entertaining one. John Morant obviously brings a lot of excitement. Julius Randle, I think he deserves MVP consideration, at least to be somewhere on the ballot this year for what he's done with the Knicks. But I'll take Knicks first half and I'll see where it's at halftime. And then I might play back Grizzlies uh, if they're up at half. He is a senior NBA writer for the Action Network or and, and make sure you either download that app or check out the website because you can find all sorts of information that will help you make informed decisions. Also, follow him on Twitter at MattMoreTAN. Matt, we appreciate the knowledge. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. You bet. Every game matters at this point. Finally, Megan McPeak and I chatted with soccer analyst Sean Miller from Better's Insider about what he expects in the upcoming Champions League semifinals. From Better's Insider, Sean Miller on Twitter, at the Prodigal Sean. So you're a Man United fan, correct, Sean? Do I have that right? Yeah, that's right. Okay, so because of those protests yesterday, which which took place, I wanted to ask you about Man U fans, and, and I think maybe this is multifaceted, but why were they so fired up? Uh, I, I, if you notice, I have the green and gold on. The green and gold to the club is sold. Uh, that's the old colors of Newton Heath, the original name of the team back in the 1800s. Oh. Um, you know, I think it goes back to, uh, you know, I, I I don't know if you saw the 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 pictures of it on on TV. I think fans are fed up, and it's not about, um, you know, the 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 way that the trophies and everything. It's just the owners of the club who also the Glazers who also own Tampa Bay Buccaneers who just won the Super Bowl. Um, you know, they, they bought the club back in 2005 with a leverage takeover. So they've basically taken about a billion pounds out of the club in the last 15 years, which is, you know, a lot of money. I think 1.5 yeah. billion. Um, whereas you have, I mean, when you look at the four Champions League teams right now, you know, you have Chelsea, who's owned by, you know, a Russian oil oligarch. Um, PSG and Manchester City are, are owned by states, Abu Dhabi and uh, Qatar. And, um, you know, Real Madrid has basically been a de facto arm of the Spanish government back to the Franco days. So, um, you know, it, it's not about, you know, the, the, I think it's more about the anger and how much money, because Manchester United is the biggest club in the world. I mean, people can say whatever, but it's the biggest club. When you see the valuations, they're always first, second, or third behind Real Madrid and Barcelona. They're massive, and the, the the owners kind of are taking dividends out of the club, maybe instead of putting them into the club. You see, Chelsea just it just announced, I think yesterday, that this is the first year since Roman Abramovich took over in 2003 where Chelsea made money, and they made $1.4 They lose money every year because he always puts money into the club. 
mean, they're worth so much now, more than when he bought it, but he's always putting in, whereas the, the, the Manchester United owners are always taking money out of the club, and I think it just got to the boiling point. This thing was coming for a couple of weeks, too, after the Super League thing. The Super League kind of just set it off, and they took a you know two weeks to plan it the the manchester united supporters trust my my buddies uh ian patterson duncan drasdo uh, you know they're 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 a couple houses down from the stadium and they plan this and they you know i don't know if they plan them to go onto the pitch and and all the other stuff but you know they they couldn't get out of the they couldn't get out of the hotels it it, it was orchestrated and, and uh you know they got the biggest game in english football called off so uh, and it's front page news everywhere in the world. So, uh, you know, I think at this point now they got their point across. So, you know, now, now you know, now they got to get back to work because they, you know, they have a big Europa League semifinal on, on Thursday and stuff. But uh, there's already protests planned for the next game at home on the 15th. So it's going to be interesting. Wow. Yeah, Sean, I'm glad you mentioned the fact of the postponement and what that protest did and the effects of, as you mentioned, the Super League situation was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back, if you will, and it pushed it to a point where this caused the postponement. So now that the postponement of that game happened against Liverpool, what does that postponement mean now for both teams? Because trying to figure it out, just reading up, knowing you were coming on today, trying to figure out the two schedules for both teams seems to be an issue with rescheduling this game. So what does this postponement mean for both Man U and Liverpool? It's a little nuts. I mean, for Manchester United, they're they're right now. I mean, they're they're basically locked into top four. They're gonna finish. They're gonna finish in Champions League spots. They're six two up in the Europa League, so they're gonna be in the Europa League final. Um, they they go to Rome Thursday, but they could bring their backups and win that game at up six two. So for them, it's not as big of a deal. Obviously, you want to beat Liverpool, I and mean, that's the biggest game on on the calendar. So uh, it's a bigger issue for Liverpool right now when you look at the table. Um, especially, you know, after the games today, Liverpool's in a little bit of trouble right now. Um, and I think they're in seventh place. And they, they actually, they're going to move, from what everything that I've heard or read, they're going to move the games on the weekend of the 16th, the FA Cup final. They'll move the Liverpool game to midweek when Manchester United is playing. I think it's the 12th. They play, Manchester United plays Leicester on the 12th because Leicester and um, Manchester City are in the uh, are, sorry Leicester and Chelsea are in the uh, FA Cup so that they'll move that game so they'll probably move the Liverpool game to midweek against West Brom because West Brom is probably done anyway so and then they'll have to play it that weekend because that's the only other time they can play it because the, the Europa League final is May 26th in Poland um, that's three days after the season ends, and they definitely don't want to be playing this game after the season ends. It's also, you know, they're talking about May 29th, but that's three days before England has to, uh, they have a friendly, because the Euros start on June 11th. So those teams, those players have to be out. So it's kind of a mess. But uh, I think probably it'll be like the 19th, 18th or 19th, probably the 19th. We're talking with Sean Miller, our soccer expert from Betters Insider, again on Twitter at the Prodigal Sean. So we do have the Champions League semifinals upon us, and before we get to those two matchups, I just wanted you, if you could, if you would indulge us one more time and explain the aggregate scoring. So if you're following along or just learning about the sport, you understand sort of what this means and how it impacts the, the results here. Yeah, it's, it's actually going to come into play for the the game on Wednesday. I think the Chelsea Real Madrid game. Um, so. 
uh, aggregate score, it's over two legs. So the first game, like Manchester City beat PSG 2-1 in Paris. So Manchester City basically to go through, all they have to do is win the game because it, it, it basically counts for two the, the two legs. They tap the total score. So City is up 2-1 now. So if City wins the game, they win because they're already a goal ahead. If City ties, they win because they're already a goal ahead. If City, if the game is 2-1 for PSG on Tuesday, which hopefully happens, um, then it goes to extra time. And then if no goals are scored, then maybe penalties. The game, you know, Real Madrid and Chelsea are 1-1. So there's a pretty good chance that that game could go to penalties, extra time and penalties. And then when it goes to extra time, the advantage goes to the away team now, because now if they score away goal in extra time, it counts double. So um, it's going to be interesting. I actually, that's one of the bets I like uh, this week uh, with the Chelsea Real Madrid when we get to that. Okay. All right. So we've got Man City, as you mentioned, they've got PSG. They're up 2-1 because of that aggregate scoring. So we see that final of the first leg. Where are you sitting on this second leg of this matchup? Yeah, PSG had them too in the first half. They dominated the play. Manchester City looked awful. And then it's, I don't know what happened at, at halftime. It looked like two different teams came out. Manchester City was really good and PSG wasn't. They kind of sat back and then Kaylor Navas let in that, that goal. I mean, it was just a cross that uh, Kevin De Bruyne hit and it went in the net. And then, you know, now it's 1-1 and then City scored on a free kick now. Uh, you know, as soon as they score two away goals, it's going to be really tough because City wants to possess the ball and they're just going to knock the ball around. I, I mean, City at minus 140 right here looks like a lock to me. It's, you know, it's kind of, it's it, it's bumming me out to talk about Manchester City getting to a final after they spent $2 billion <laughs> in the last 13 years to get there. But this is probably their year. And I think, you know, if they get to the final, we talked about this, if, if they get to the final, they're probably going to win. PSG's not out of it. The plus 350 is actually a pretty good play. If, if PSG scores early in this game, too, it'll be very interesting to see what happens because, like I said, 2-1, um, it goes to extra time, and, and that definitely could happen. But uh, if, if City scores first, it'll probably be pretty lights out, I think. Man, I can hear the disappointment in your voice talking about Man City. You're yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, it's killing you. I know. I'd say, you know, but it, it, look, I mean, it, they took over in 2008 the uh, Abu Dhabi owners and they, I mean, they've spent a ton of money two two billion in transfers over since 2008. And that's not including salaries. So it's probably closer to three or 4 billion they've spent. So, you know, it, it I guess it's time for them to get to a final once. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's their year. Okay. So the other, in the other match, we have Real Madrid and Chelsea, both teams at plus money right now. And leg one, we saw Real Madrid and Chelsea play to a tie. Here you've got Chelsea as the favorite, but again, plus money on, you know, whichever side you want to go here. Chelsea currently at plus 118, Real Madrid at plus 250 at William Hill. What are you thinking? Are you picking a side? Yeah, you know, I think it could be, I think this could be the first uh, draw tie we've had in the Champions League to go to extra time. I I think it could be 1-1 here. Um, there, there's actually some pretty good bets on William Hill I looked at. To, for the match to go to penalties is plus 1,000. 
Uh, there hasn't been any this year. There's only been two that have gone to away goals, one in the quarterfinals and one in the round of 16. So, um, you know, they have uh, some of their defensemen back. Uh, Sergio Ramos, obviously captain, you know, biggest he's hero, club hero. He, he's back. I mean, they're going to miss Rafael Varane, who's out, but he hasn't really been playing. It's been Militao back there. So they're a little banged up. But uh, he said Benzema to score last time was plus 125. He's the same again this time. And, he, you know, he came up with a big uh, goal last time in the rain in the first half. So I, I think this is going to be – this is – we maybe we talked about this last – maybe kind of a game to better draw because uh, you're going to get some decent value. But, you know, yes, for penalties, plus 1,000. Some of the other ones, you know, Chelsea or Real Madrid to win on penalties is plus 2,200. Uh, it's obviously you don't want to be throwing a lot of money on that, but you you know throw 10, 10 bugs on it, you're gonna make a little bit of money back. So uh, to win an extra time, like we talked about, if it goes to extra time, if it's one one and it goes to extra time, Real Madrid is the favorite. If they score, Chelsea has to score twice in extra time, which it's two 15 minute periods. So, but uh, that extra time goal is big for the away team. So um, I, I think. Maybe yes for penalties plus one thousand. If if there's a winner, I, I would lean. I know everybody's leaving at Chelsea. I actually would lean towards Real Madrid. I think they're kind of getting healthy right now at the right time. Now, I just want to ask, what would it take for you to put some money on Man City? Like you'd have to oh. be kidnapped, perhaps. <laughs> No, hey, I mean, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I hammered Manchester City before the season to win the Premier League uh, okay. with a couple different books. I, I had them at, I had them at plus one twenty five, plus one twenty five before the season, and then when Liverpool started hot and Manchester City and Manchester United started really poorly because they didn't get that break, I think they went up to like plus one eighty, and I threw more money on it. So I, I hammered Man. I, I, they're the best team in the world. I just don't like them, <laughs> but they are, they are the best team in the world. Uh, you know, I, my, my buddy, Mark Echo, you know, he's been on, um, he, he has the, his, his go-to bet is city United one, two in the league. So that would have paid a little bit this year, I think. But yeah, I, I think, you know, I have city a little bit to win the champions league. I have city and PSG. So I, they've been the best team. I mean, you kind of could see, since they got that little break in December, they—I I don't know if you remember—they had a little break uh, where they were supposed to play Everton, and they had like five guys have COVID, and the league let them not play the game, so they didn't play while these other teams were playing. So they got a mini break in the in the winter, and since then, I think they've lost maybe one or two matches. So, and you see the title futures here. I mean, it's it's definitely the interesting thing will be. If Manchester City and Chelsea both go through, they play on Saturday in the Premier League uh, this week. So, you know, if they both go through this week, Tuesday and Wednesday, and Chelsea is still, you know, Chelsea is still battling for top four to, to get back into the Champions League. Of course, if you win the Champions League, you, you go in the next year. So if those two win, that would be a really interesting contest this weekend and maybe a preview, obviously, of the finals. So there, there's some big games coming up in the next couple weeks. Sean, that's great stuff as always. And I appreciate someone who says, if I'm going to make some money, I'm going to make some money regardless of who I put that money on. Sometimes you have to do that as a better. He's our soccer expert for Better's Insider, Sean Miller, at The Prodigal. Sean, Sean, we always appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Thank you. Sometimes money matters more than loyalty. That's going to do it for this episode. I'm Michael Jenkins. Thanks for listening. Until next time.